song for the message God's touched my heart with this morning. I like when that happens, because we did not plan that, but the Holy Spirit planned that for us, so I'm grateful for that. Pastor Molson said I can preach till 2. Wow. I want to tell you, last night, uh, my wife and I, uh, we taught a Sunday school class, and I preached in the Philippines last night. At, uh, we, we got online about 9 o'clock our time, which was 10 o'clock their time in the morning. They were in Sunday. We were still in Saturday. And uh, they got us on, and they said, I said, how long do you want me to go today? And she said, oh, you can go till noon. That meant 11 o'clock at night, from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. So they gave me the same permission last night. And uh, I said to myself, how in the world am I going to fill two hours worth of time? And I was a little concerned about it, but what a, what a sweet time. We, we had the opportunity to preach to a deaf church last night, uh, which was their Sunday morning. And we had, I think we had, um, there was eight of, eight of them total. Uh, two, six of them deaf, two of them were hearing uh, ladies, a mother and a daughter who have had a burden for the deaf there. They shared with us that the Baptist churches, that there are two Baptist churches nearby, but they have said that the, they, they cannot have a deaf ministry because it's too costly. And so this dear lady and her daughter love the deaf so much, they said, we'll start a church, we'll have a meeting in our house, basically is what they do. They haven't started a church necessarily, but have a meeting in their home. I've been their Sunday school teacher for about two years, and I didn't know it. I would, get a, I would get a message on Facebook from them with, with a, a monitor in front of a room with 25 or so deaf in it, and I was on the monitor. And uh, here it was uh, messages that I have recorded on YouTube and posted, and they're watching those YouTube videos. And last night we met a man who was formerly a Catholic, deaf, he and his wife both, and he was, his testimony was that he was going to the Catholic Church, but no interpreter and boring, and so he stopped going. And he told his wife, I'm not going back to church. She said, you need to try this Baptist church. He said, no, I'm, I'm tired of church. And uh, she got, got my videos up in front of him at home, and he said, that's what I want. I want to learn the Bible like that. And so uh, we got to meet him last night, sort of face-to-face. Of course, across the time zones, uh, they're 13 hours different than us. But what a pre- what a blessing! I'll talk a little bit about that tonight, I think, uh, as we go. But open your Bibles to Matthew with me this morning, Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to share a, a very familiar story with you, and hopefully, uh, we will. I know what the tendency is if you've been saved for any length of time. When you see your opening to a story, you know there's a temptation to say, oh, I already know all about that. But I don't know about you, but I have found the Bible to be exactly what it says it is. It is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That word quick means it's alive. It's living. So you could have studied this, this passage 500 times before, and God will still give you something new today because it'll be alive today, and I'm thankful for that. Aren't you glad you have a Bible? I am so thrilled to be able to open this book and, and not have to preach from my experience or my testimony, but to be able to preach from the Word of God, and, and I'm, I'm grateful to be with you. It's my honor to be with you today. Terry, I'm glad my wife Terry's with me, and uh, tonight I might share a little bit of uh, her story too, 
Uh, we've had some interesting, my wife had an aneurysm in her aorta in April of this last year, and uh, they thought it had ruptured. I, I will tell that story tonight probably, give you some, give you some of what God taught me through that time, uh, and I'll, I'll share that tonight with you, but I'm glad she's here with me uh, this morning. Uh, Betty Farah is in the back row. If you don't know Betty, uh, she's the white, well, there's two white-haired ladies in the back row. Uh, she's the one furthest, closest to the window. Uh, I grew up with her, and her son was uh, a year younger than me. She had a son a year younger, and we were very good friends. And she, I went back there to greet her this morning. She said, I had to tell somebody, my junior high student has a bald spot, <laughs> which really encouraged me. Uh, I told her, I've had that bald spot for quite a while now, but anyway, uh, so we're, we're, we are really glad to be with you, and I feel at home here, and I'm grateful for uh, good friends that are here, so let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us, and we'll jump in today. Father, we've come expecting a blessing, not from Jim Braceland, but from you, and I thank you for what has already been prayed. I, I pray that the Spirit of God would move on our hearts today, including my own, and Lord, help us not to have come here today to play church. Help us to do more than just check off the box that we were here today. I pray that you'd meet with us in our heart and touch us and move us and shape us and change us. Lord, the world tries all week to conform us to its image. But we've been told not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. And you've given us the key to that. It's by the renewing of our minds and our hearts. And that that comes only through the word of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, help the Word of God to apply to our hearts and lives today so that when we leave here, we will leave here with a greater sense of who you want us to be and what you want us to be. And, Lord, I would pray that if there's someone here this morning that has never trusted Christ, that today would be their, their birthday, their spiritual birthday. And, Lord, we ask you for these things. These are things we cannot produce, and so we lean on you. We need you, and we depend on you, and I pray that you fill us with your Spirit today. And use this time to honor you and glorify you. Be with Pastor Molson and his family as they're away for a little R&R. They need that for sure. Pray that you give them a sweet time together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I was an assistant pastor in the state of Maryland. And, and uh, I was the pastor, uh, an assistant pastor in the church. And I was responsible for a young couple's Sunday school class. It was crazy because they started off as young couples. But they would never leave, so they became young, middle-aged, and older couple class. Uh, but I remember once, one weekday I was driving our girls into, into the school. We had a Christian school there. And as I was driving down the road we lived off of, I noticed smoke, uh, a lot of smoke coming up on the right side, off to, the, to my right side. And I, I, I noticed it. I mean, it was, it was significant. I got into the church and, I, and somebody said, did you hear that Harvey Mann's fire, his, his farm is on fire? And so his barn. So I, I quickly, I dropped our girls off. I, I literally got right back in my car and I drove as fast as I could to get over there. And when I, when I pulled around, I'll never forget, I pulled around the lane where his, his farm was. And uh, what's that? He, oh yeah, Harvey Mann was in my Sunday school class. It's a good thing my wife knows sign language. She can talk to me in the middle of my message, and you can't hear. But anyway, uh, yes, Harvey was, he and his wife were in our, our Sunday school class. As I pulled around the lane in his farm, I mean his barn, he had a huge barn, uh, and it was just, it was gone. Like it was down to the, the, the total up, the top of the barn was all burned out. 
Uh, Harvey was a, a hog farmer. And so as I pull in, I mean, there's, there's firemen everywhere and there's hogs running everywhere. And, uh, and it was just a sad scene. And, and I, I, I saw Harvey and I, he looked horrible. He looked like he was about to have a heart attack. And I tried to talk to him and calm him down a little bit. But uh, we, you know, eventually that day, uh, he literally lost his barn here. A mouse, they found out a mouse had chewed through an electric wire in his barn. He didn't do a very smart thing. He put hay in the upper part of the barn, and he had his hogs underneath it. And so when the barn burned, he, his hogs were, he lost a lot of his hogs and obviously lost a lot of, he lost a lot of, of uh, his barn as well. So then I said to him, I, I calmed him down. I said, Harvey, listen, I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to wear my work clothes. I'm going to help you do whatever we need to do to get this thing straightened out. He said, that would be great. I showed up the next morning and I had my, you know, my dirtiest jeans and, and just ready to go, going to do whatever. I'm thinking we're going to be hauling wood around, getting these hogs back where they could be under control on his farm. By the way, he had like 300-pound hogs. These were not, these were not little, you don't, you don't really push them around. They kind of tell you where they're going and you try to direct them. But anyway, I got there and, and we started just cleaning up. And, and he said to me, you know, there's one thing you could really help me with. And I said, sure, what, you know, whatever. I'm here to do whatever. He said, I need to, they, so beside his main barn, he had a birthing barn uh, where the, the sows who were pregnant would go to give birth. And, and he said, I need to clean, that needs to get cleaned out. And he said, come around the back of it. He brought, brings me around the back. He hands me a long pole with a squeegee, big squeegee on the end of it. And he said, uh, you just stand right here. And he gave me some boots to put on. I don't know why. And about that time, he said, you see, this is the, the barn was to my left. And he said, do you see those holes there? There's three of them on the side. I said, yes. He said, well, in a minute, I'm going to open the, their drains. He said, yeah, you know where this is going, don't you? He said, that, you know, the, the pigs that are in there, they, this, they go to the bathroom. I don't want to get graphic. They go to the bathroom. After they've had their baby, their afterbirth and everything goes down through a grate, and those holes are going to open and, and stuff's going to shoot out. I just need you to push it down to the bottom of, the, of this, uh, this thing. And I said, okay. I, and I could tell by the grin on his face <laughs> that I was in for some trouble. So I, I can remember, I, I'm there and I'm, I'm, I'm standing there with this pole. Now I'm all by myself at this point. Harvey has gone somewhere beyond the smell. Anyway, he, he goes in. All of a sudden I hear this gurgling noise coming from the pipe. And the next thing I know, those, <laughs> it looked like an explosion. I mean, there was stuff coming out of there, and I start doing this, and the smell was beyond what I could ever explain to you. It was so putrid. I was gagging. I was about throwing up. I decided I won't breathe through my nose. I'm going to breathe through my mouth. Oh, that was worse. I could taste it. I mean, I, I still think I can smell it to this day. But, but the thought hit me while I was standing there. What have I gotten myself into? Have you ever been there before? What have I gotten myself into? Pastor says we need a volunteer, and before you know it, your hand went up. And what he wants you to volunteer for is like the thing that makes you the most nervous in all the world. And you say, what have I gotten myself into? Well, that's the story that we find today. We, we find a man who probably at some point, thought that same thing. We find Peter here with the other disciples. I want you to look. We're going to read the verses, and then we'll go back and dissect them a little bit. 
By the way, if, if ever you have a pig farmer who asks you to help him, refuse. I'll just say that right now. I learned a good lesson that day. But look at verse 22 with me in Matthew chapter 14. The Bible says in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening, evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Verse 28, And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Verse 29, he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, we go on a trip, Terry and I, in our ministry, it, it takes us, we drive a lot. We go, on a lot of, go a lot of places we've never been before. And we get on a trip, and uh, we have one of those, I know that you young people will not have any clue what I'm talking about, but we have a big Rand McNally map, <laughs> spiral bound. And my wife will get that thing, and she goes to state by state by state where we're going to be. And she will tell me, you know, there's a rest stop in five miles on the, you know, and she'll tell me. And she's amazing. She's, she's very good with that. We also have a GPS in our car. And then we have our phones, you know, that you put up and they warn you where the police are. You know, and that kind of stuff. But, but usually when we get ready to go on a trip, we have a, we have a pretty straight line where we're headed. And every now and then, we see a, a flashing sign that says that there's been an accident, the road is closed, and we're going to have to take a detour. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not real fond of detours. I'd rather go right straight where I'm going and get there in the time that I thought I was going to get there and everything's fine. But you know that God gives us detours in our lives, too. And those detours God gives us are heavenly detours that have a heavenly purpose. And I want to share with you today, we, we meet Peter here, and Peter had a little bit of a detour in, in what he expected to have happen. So I want you to look at this story. You know this story. You've heard this preached many times before. You've heard many applications to it. But I'd just like to share with you uh, what God's touched my heart with in this story today. So I'm going to ask you four questions throughout this as we look at this passage. You know the story. We've just read it. Let me ask you a couple of questions. And, uh, and, and so, and by the way, you're, I'm going to give you freedom today. This is a special dispensation. You're allowed to answer out loud today, all right? You can do that. So the first question I ask is, how did Peter's walking on the water trip begin? How did it begin? Faith. By faith. He, uh, by the way, uh, you know, Peter probably wasn't, uh, don't you just love Peter? Doesn't he remind you of yourself a little bit? He talked first and he thought, 
I would say second, but it might be third or fourth till he actually thought about it. He'd speak right away. Like he, he, whatever came in his mind was coming out his mouth. And so here they all are in this ship in the midst of the, in the, midst of the sea. And it's, it's bo- I mean, the waves are coming and it's boisterous, the Bible calls it. And, and, and they, they look out and they see a guy walking on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't care who you are. That would scare the living bejeebies out of you. You look out there and here comes a man walking on the water in the dark in the midst of a sea and they think it's a, some kind of a spirit, a ghost, uh, and they're fearful. But Jesus speaks to them and he says, don't be afraid, it's me. And, and I want you to see what Peter immediately, I don't know why this came through out of his mouth. Look at verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. Now, how do you think... Yes, he, he, he recognized it was Jesus. And by faith, he makes, a, he makes a simple request that's not real smart. Lord, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. And I love that Jesus just said, come. You, you want to walk? Come on, you can come. But I want you to see, what was it that prompted him? The, the answer is, I think the answer is, what really prompted Peter? He didn't think about this. He was solely focused where? On Jesus. He forgot all about the winds and the waves. He forgot all about the storm that he was in. He didn't think about the water. He wasn't thinking about the waves. He wasn't thinking about the fact that it's impossible for a man to walk on the water. Unless it's frozen. I know somebody's going to come up with that one. He didn't think about it. He didn't think about any of those things. He, he had his eyes so singularly focused. Oh, it's Jesus. I trust Jesus. And he asks, could I come to you on the water? Jesus says, come. So the first question is, how did he begin the, his trip? He, he began it by faith. The lesson is that if we want to stay on the right path, we have to keep our eyes focused on our Savior. Now listen, life is going to send you some wind. Are you with me? This world we live in is a mess, isn't it? We, love, we Christians love to talk about the mess the world is in. The reality of it is God told us that's what's going to happen. This is not a surprise to God. But what God wants us to do is when the world is a mess, that he wants us to be like Peter without thinking, saying to Jesus, let me come to you. Let me keep my eyes on you. Let me keep my feet moving in the direction toward you. Lord, if that's you, let me come to you. If we stay on the right path, it's going to require us to have unwavering focus on Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you today, and young people who are here, I'm going to tell you it's going to get worse for you. I, I can't even imagine how bad it has come from when I was a young person till today. I see Betty Farris. She was my junior high teacher. I mean, I can't believe those days were that long ago. I started getting Social Security, Betty. I mean, we have gone over the threshold. But listen, it happened like that. But I think about the world when I was a teenager to what it is today for teenagers. Please, we've got to have that same unwavering focus on Jesus that we did when I was a kid. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed since, since Peter here. And, and so when Peter stepped out of that ship, he started to do something that is physically impossible. But he did it because his eyes were fixed on Jesus. 
He had the pleasure. And by the way, we get to heaven, we can ask him what it was like. Because him and Jesus are the only two that did it. You know, I can, I can picture the other, I call them the sinkers. The other guys in the boat. Are you with me? Those other 11 guys, I can hear them when Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come. And Jesus says, come. And before they know it, Peter's throwing his leg out over the ship. And all of those 11 are like, what's he doing? He's going to sink like a rock. He doesn't know what he's doing. And all of a sudden, they watch him take one step, two I don't know how many steps he got to take. I have a feeling it wasn't a whole lot, but, but he walked on water. He stepped out by faith. And when you and I are in the center, listen to me. When we are in the center of God's will, doing what God called us to do and enabled us to do and gave us opportunity to do, there is nothing that can stop us. Now, that's not, I'm not being a TV evangelist. I'm being a realist. When God calls you to do something, even though you don't feel capable of doing it, and by the way, other people may tell you, like the sinkers, they may tell you, what are you doing? You can't be doing you don't know how to, You don't know how to do that. But when God puts it on your heart to do it, you step out by faith and you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ because it is safer in the center of God's will than any other place on the face of the earth. Our second daughter and her husband informed us a few years ago that they were going to move from the Downingtown area, wait till you hear this, to Jackson Heights, New York City the center of Queens, New York, with their five children. And that's what we did. Some, oh, that's what we did. What? Our son was like, Dad, you need to talk them out of that. I said, but I can't talk them out of God's will. You know, they've lived there now, I don't, I don't know how many years they've been there, a long time, five years or so. And God's kept them safe right in the center of his will, right in the center. I mean, to drive to their house, it drives me crazy i got to drive through New York City traffic to get there. But they're where God wants them doing what God's called them to do. And they did it whether anybody thought they were right or not. Because their focus was on Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do the very same thing. You need to keep your focus on Jesus. By the way, again, I'll remind you, the winds did not cease and the waves did not stop going, heaving. But Peter walked on, on the water because his eyes were fixed on Jesus. It's no secret that Peter's walking on water was very amazing. But it was because he focused on Christ. Let me give you the second question. So the first one was, what prompted him to go out? Faith is what prompted him to step out. What caused his, here, here's his detour. His detour was down instead of ahead. What caused Peter to sink? Yeah. He stopped doing what he had stepped out doing. He started doubting. He started looking around. He did something that he, he was, by the way, <laughs> it must have been pretty incredible. He, I, I'm sure he was like, man, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. But then he started, the Bible tells us there that, that he looked around in verse 30. It says, but, notice that in verse 30 begins with the word but, which is a contrast. Peter's walking on water, but he's not going to be walking on water long. When he saw the wind boisterous. Again, let me remind you, the wind had continued to be boisterous. It had not let up. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So he took his eyes off of the focus that he had on Christ and he began to sink immediately. Let me, let me give you this. There's a reason that Peter uh, had a detour. It was because he began to look at the things around him. 
the circumstances around him. And those things caused him fear. So the second lesson that I put uh, in my notes is if you don't keep your focus on the right things in the storms of life, you will end up making your own detours. Are you with me? Sometimes you can't avoid a detour. You didn't make the detour, but sometimes you take a road. You know, there's been times when Terry and I are driving and I say, honey, I think if, you know, I know the GPS and the map says to go that way, but I think if we went this way, it'd be a little shorter. Have you ever, men, have you ever done that? Mm-hmm. Ladies, you never do that, I know. You just, but, but we men, we're not real smart. And, and so we take that, and I end up on a detour somewhere out, and I can't find my way back. Thankful, that, that's when I am thankful for the GPS. I just put, go home, and <laughs> it'll take me at least back home. But the storms in our lives come when we take our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, and our, we lose our focus on what he wants us to do, and we end up facing detours that get us out of the will of God. Let me ask you a third question. What was Peter's redeeming moment? Yeah. And by the way, I'll talk about this tonight. He prayed a three-word prayer. You'll notice that he didn't say, Our most holy heavenly Father, we have gathered here on this, in this sea to ask for your... No, he didn't do that. Lord, save me. He got right to the point, didn't he? And, and by the way, there's a good lesson for us to learn. His redeeming moment came... When he turned to the right person. By the way, if he had said that day, Jim Bracelin, save me. I'd say, good luck, buddy. I'll, I'll throw you a, an old inner tube or something, but I, I can't help you. He, did, he didn't pray to Buddha. He didn't pray to Confucius. He prayed to the Lord. Lord, would you save me? He went to the person who could save him. Now, by the way, there's times when we get ourselves in trouble. Maybe you don't ever get yourself in trouble, but I do all the time. When I get myself in trouble, I have to go to this same place and say, Lord, I've made a mess of it. I took my eyes off you. I'm sinking today, and I need your help. Lord, would you save me? And and I want to encourage you that often we do everything but that. Are you with me? You get in trouble in your life, what do you do? You call your family. You try to get them to help you. If they can't do it, you call your friends. And if they can't do it, you you might even Google it. Maybe you'll find help on Google somewhere. But eventually, you need to go to the one who can help you. You need to go to the Lord. And Peter just cried out very simply, Lord, would you save me? And I want you to see that he didn't call back to the guys in the ship. Because they're probably all back there saying, oh, see, I told you. I knew he wasn't going to be able to make it very far. They're the doubters. They're the skeptics. But Peter turned to the Lord. Look, look at Job. Keep your finger here. We'll come back here. But look at Job chapter 13 with me. I want to share just a couple of verses with you. One in Job and one in Psalms. So we'll go back to the Old Testament very briefly. But in, in Job, I mean, we find a man, his whole life story. As soon as I say his name, you know that uh, he probably faced greater physical uh, turmoil than than many of us are ever going to, hopefully, all of us will ever face. He lost his ten children on one day. He lost his barns, his animals. His wife told him to curse God and die. His, his friends came to encourage him and sat with him for a number of days and didn't say a word. That was the last encouragement they brought him. 
Because as soon as they started talking, they did everything but encourage him. They ripped him to shreds. They tried to point out every flaw he had. and tried, They were being spiritual, of course, trying to get him back right with God when actually he was the only one that God pointed out that was perfect and upright and eschewed evil. But, but I want you to see what he said in, in chapter 13, and you know this verse. It's, it's a great verse. Look at verse 15. Job said, in the midst of all of these troubles, he said, though he slay me, if he takes my life, Yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. What did Job do through all of his troubles? He kept his eyes on the master. And by the way, we know he was successful. If you don't know the end of the story, you have to read the rest of the book. But God blessed him with twice what he had before. Turn to Psalm chapter 73. Let me give you another verse real quickly. Psalm chapter 73. Look at verse 25 with me this morning. The Psalm of Asaph. He asks a very good question. In Psalm 73, verse 25, he says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. Folks, these are good verses for us to put down and remember. The song we heard before this, the message was, He leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the fire. All, all the way through, though, the Lord leads his children. And so as a child of God, you have a good, you have a good, good news today. God is never going to leave you. Amen. You need to be sure you don't ever leave him. I mean, you can't leave him. He, you, he's got you in his hand, but you know what I mean. You can be rebellious. You can try your own way. You can try to get advice from others. But the key is, when Peter got in trouble, he knew who to call out to. Lord, save me. I have none in heaven but thee, Asaph said. And neither do we, by the way. But can I say, when God is all you have, God is all you need. This world is going to tell you you need finances and you need health and you need a good job. And boy, we've seen all, that, all those things come crashing down, haven't we? But we know that as, as Christians, when we have our Heavenly Father, we have everything we need. Let me give you the third question. When you face an obstacle in your life, oh, I guess it's not a, oh, that's the, that's my lesson. I'm sorry. Third lesson of the, of the third question. When you face an obstacle in your life, don't turn, turn to the world for answers. Turn to your master. Turn to, turn to your heavenly father. Um, you know, there's a saying in the, wor- in the world that's, that, that is, uh, when the going gets tough, the, the tough get going, right? Um, if we made that statement to Peter, hey, Peter, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You think that would have helped him out at all? <laughs> that wouldn't help him out at all. A, a good friend of mine said uh, years ago, uh, a good friend of mine said, when the going gets tough, lean into the master. I like that one better. When the going gets tough, lean into the master. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you have had to bury uh, your partner or your children or dear friends. And the, the going's tough. What do you do? You can't lean on other people. They're not always going to be there for you. But if you lean on the master, he will be there for you every time. So when the going gets tough, lean into the master. Um, so let me, let me give a little addition to that or a little change to that. When you, when you face a, de- a detour in your life, call out to the master, just like Peter did. Lord, save me. Let me give you the last question. The fourth question is, is in verse 31 that I'm going to ask you about. What, what do Jesus' words about a lack of faith mean to you in your times of detour? 
Peter, uh, Peter cries out, Lord, save me in verse 30. And verse 31, I do like the next two words of verse 31. Are you with me? And immediately. Hello? Don't you like that? Amen. And immediately. Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, I believe as he's pulling him up out of the water, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why would you doubt? Uh, why would you take your eyes off of me? Why would, you, why would you turn away when things were going? You were walking on water. Why would you stop looking at me? Why would you turn away? You have little faith. When I think about those words, it's, it's a gentle rebuke from Jesus. Are you, he's still got a hold of Peter's hand. He's still pulling him out of the water. And I'm sure Peter's like, praise the Lord, I don't care. You can chastise me all you want. Just get me out of this water. Amen. And, and, and as he's pulling him out, he, he gives him a gentle rebuke that you took your eyes off of me. And you had a little faith. And when I hear that, I think about times in my own life where I have doubted, where I have doubted God when I should have trusted him. And I've, I've, I've been sinking. I've had times when I got off the path that God had for me, and I knew it. And God had to gently nudge me back onto that path. But what, through all of those times and through all of that detour, I think about that phrase, that, that question that Jesus asked, why would you doubt me? Why, why would you have so little faith? And I, I put down here as the fourth lesson for this passage, that my detours will reveal my lack of faith or my faith. When you hit a time that's difficult in your life, and by the way, uh, we can all have a lot of faith when everything's great. Are you with me? Well, you know, your, your bills are paid. Uh, you can tell somebody else whose bills aren't paid, oh, you just need to trust God. But when it's your bills that aren't paid, and you are struggling to find, where am I going to get the money to pay for this bill? If I don't pay this, this mortgage, if I don't pay this rent, I'm getting evicted from this house or this apartment. Are you saying to yourself, oh, just have faith? Or does your, do you start to complain? Do you start to doubt? Do you start to try to scheme and plan and do things that you can fix something yourself? The detours of our lives will reveal the faith that we have or it's going to reveal the lack of faith that we have. And so I want to encourage you, uh, as you think about it, detours are coming to all of us. And back in Job, I won't have you turn there, but, but he said, when all these troubles hit Job in chapter 1, verse 21, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that's, that ought to be our attitude, regardless of what's happening around us. And, and I want to, uh, I really want to demonstrate that faith in my detours. Humanly speaking, it's difficult. It goes against everything in your human nature to trust God when it doesn't appear as though he's paying attention to you. But you ought to trust God regardless. Peter should have kept his eyes on the Lord. I want to end this, uh, this message just, just real quickly. I want you to look at verses 32 and 33. It's kind of interesting as this story ends. And we spend a lot of time on Peter and him sinking and, and getting rescued. But I love verse 32 and 33. It said, And when they were come into the ship, that is Jesus and Peter, what happened to the wind? It ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped 
him saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now these are supposed to be men who are his, they are his disciples. These are supposed to be men who have watched his, his miracles, have sat with him and learned from him. And they should have known already that he was the Son of God. But God used this situation where Jesus rescues Peter, steps back into the boat, and instantly the winds cease. In another passage, they asked, Who is this man that has authority over the winds and the seas? Who is this man? But here they, they testify of a truth. Thou art the Son of God. I want you to notice that when, when Peter and Jesus returned to this ship and that storm ended, it's a, it's a reality for us that when we get a hold of Jesus Christ and when we are safely in the center of his will, as I mentioned, one of my first things I said to you tonight, today was, when we are in the center of the will of God, there's no safer place. Do you remember me saying that? This is obvious evidence of that. That when they stepped back in that ship and the winds ceased and the waves stopped pounding against the side of the ship, the reality is that when you're in the arms of Jesus, and even though all of that thing has, those things around you are taking place and you can't control any of it, He, Jesus, is the master of your detour. Hey, we're living in a world today that is um, chaotic, to say the least. Uh, everything we thought we could depend on years ago. Who would have thought, literally, I think about five years ago, who would have believed uh, that COVID could have shut down the world? I would have never, if you'd have told me that, I would have thought you were crazy. And yet we li we've lived through that. And post-COVID, we're watching wars and rumors of wars. I have very dear friends in Ukraine tonight, today, right now. It's, it's almost night for them that are there, and, and they're fighting for their lives right now. I would have never thought that would, that would take place. Israel's in a, in a war. We are looking at financial collapse all over, uh, but we're being promised, oh, it'll be okay. We're just going to, we'll just give more money to the American people. I won't get into that, but anyway, you know where that money's coming from, by the way, don't you? Well, they'll just increase our taxes. But anyway, my point is, things that we thought were stable are instable, instable, unstable. And we, don't, we can't trust in those things. But I will tell you that in the detours of our lives, Jesus has not left the throne. Amen. And so when we think about these things, I want you to notice um, that even though Peter began to sink, this story is in our Bible for a reason. These disciples witnessed this take place, and this made an impact on them. So when you go through a, de a detour and you have taken your eyes off Jesus, but you return the gaze and you cry out to the Lord, Lord, save me, and the Lord saves you, guess what? You have a testimony that other people are going to be affected by. So even the things that we do wrong and we fail in, God can use for his glory if we let him, if we return to him. Thankfully, Peter turned back to Jesus when he was in his trouble and cried out, Lord, save me. Because when he did, Jesus not only saved him, but he gave a lesson to these other disciples they would never forget for the rest of their lives. That Jesus was able to calm that sea. He was able to save, uh, save Peter because he is, as, as is mentioned there at the end of, of, that, of that verse 33, he is the Son of God. 
and he has that authority. And I want to say to you today that, that our, t- our detours, although we may not be sinking in an ocean, you may have come in here today with some burdens that were so heavy you felt like you were drowning in those burdens. I just want to encourage you today, if you came in here that way, and by the way, we all come in here on a Sunday, we all come in, we look as good as we can, amen? We, you know, guys, we're wearing ties, we hate these ties. But we wear them on Sunday because we want to honor the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Ladies, you come in dressed nicely today. You can look good on the outside, but in the inside of your heart, you have fear and you have doubts and you have turmoil and you're facing pressures next week that nobody else knows about. Uh, You might have a report from a doctor coming you're nervous about. I don't know what your burden is, but I do know one thing. It doesn't matter what you're sinking in today. There is a master of the sea in Jesus Christ, and he wants to reach you where you are. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure if you died right now that you'd go to heaven, you are sinking in sin. I remember the first time that I went to Ukraine, uh, the Lord's allowed us to be there uh, 14 different times, not since uh, for the last few years, but I remember going the the very first time I was there and, and we had the opportunity, we were there to see if we could help some deaf in Ukraine. We didn't know a lot of Ukrainian sign language, hardly knew any for that matter, but somehow we'd handed out flyers and said we are going to have a meeting for the deaf. We had an auditorium that was probably uh, three times as big as your auditorium here, totally packed with deaf people. Uh, We didn't know a whole lot of sign language. We didn't know Ukrainian sign language. And the day before we were supposed to go for this meeting, myself and and uh, Ted Camp, our founder, we're looking at each other saying, how are we going to do this? I mean... We have all these people coming. We don't even know. We don't know if we can communicate with them. We're going to try to do gestures and that sort of thing. And the day before, we had met a man in, in the town, and, and he was a, an important person among the deaf. And he said, I have an interpreter. Would you like her to come and help you on tomorrow night? We're like, oh, yeah, that would be very nice. <laughs> this is as close as I've ever come to speaking in tongues. <laughs> I was speaking English, signing an American sign at the same time. Down on the floor here, there was a Ukrainian translator, different than an interpreter. He's speaking from English to Ukrainian. The, the Ukrainian sign language interpreter is standing here. She's signing in Ukrainian signs. We had four languages going at the same time simultaneously. I, I mean, that's pretty close to speaking in tongues. I, I was speaking in thumbs. No, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I, 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 during that message... I said to them, I'm thinking to myself, how can I show these people that they're in sin and they need Jesus to rescue them? And so I used this picture. I say, you're drowning in your sins. You cannot stop doing wrong things. That's true, by the way, isn't it? And Jesus, outside of your situation, reaches a hand to you and offers you salvation. He'll get a hold of you and pull you out, but you have to take hold of his hand. And I would say that to you here this morning. If you don't know for sure if you died right now that you're going to heaven. And by the way, you might be saying, everybody in here is saved. I don't know that, by the way. And I told God a long time ago that when I get up to preach, I was going to give people an opportunity to trust Christ. If you're here this morning, you say, Jim, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I can tell you right now you're drowning in your sin. There's no way you can get out of that sin on your own. I don't care what religion tells you. It's not about religion. I don't care about how many things you do and things you don't do. 
It's what you've done. What you have done is you have sinned. You've missed the perfect mark of God. And there's no way you can pull yourself out of that water on your own. You need to pray a similar prayer to what Peter prayed. Lord, you're the man. I'm not. You are perfect. I'm not. You died for my sins. I can die for my sins. But you paid a perfect price for my sins. You were buried. I haven't been. You rose from the grave. I could never do that. I will trust you and not me to get me into heaven. If you're here today and you're not sure if you died right now, please take a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to ask the Lord to do that, to come to be your your Savior, to get a hold of you and pull you out of that water. I'll give you that chance in just a moment. If you're here today and you're a believer, and I'm, I'm sure most of us here are, there's some lessons we can learn from Peter. Keep your focus on Jesus. I know there's a lot of wind and waves around us today. I'm not saying that we become so isolated here we never look to the world that's around us. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying I don't care who you are, where you are, what's happening. Keep your focus on the Lord Jesus. Be, be consumed with him and his will. Stay in his will. And then when you do happen to get off track and you get, get a little detour, and by the way, we all do, when that happens, don't waste your time crying out to friends and family to help you. Just cry out to the Lord. Get right with him. Get back on track. And then get back in the boat. And give praise to God for who he is, the Son of God, who, who no one else could be but Jesus. Bow your heads with me if you would this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've had.